Hello, hello, hello. Welcome along to this bonus preview episode of Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is the 100% unofficial Somerset podcast. We'll be recording for real, hopefully in the first week of April, to get it out to you before the first championship game starts on the 12th. Just want to say a big thank you to everyone who sent us messages on Twitter, uh, saying they're looking forward to the podcast. Hopefully we can meet your expectations. The four of us have not done any of this before, so... Um, yeah, don't get your hopes up too high. It could be great, uh, but maybe. Uh, what I have got for you now, though, uh, this is a Q&A that I was lucky to, uh, lucky enough to be able to host with Marcus Juskovic uh, in Newton Abbott last year. Uh, it was a fundraiser we did for Children's Hospice Southwest. Marcus uh, sped down from Edgbaston, uh, where he was um, helping out with the England coaching setup. So this was the day before the first Ashes test in July. Um, yeah, the audio quality isn't great. It's from a Facebook live feed, but uh, yeah, hopefully you enjoy. Are we good to go? I think we're good to go. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the word legend is thrown around far too often in uh, uh, in society today, uh, but we are in the presence of a true one tonight. He's played Brigham over 200 times. He holds more records of Somerset than uh, you can shake your stick at. He, there is only one, Marcus Roscoffic. Marcus, welcome to New um, I gather you've been up at Edgerton this week, assisting uh, the England guys. Yeah, it's been uh, a good couple of days, really. Uh, just to go up and see what, uh, what was going on. I've been trying to get them prepared for uh, the Ashes that start tomorrow. Um, but just really getting a bit of experience from my point of view, just sort of, you know, as I've started making my way from playing into, into coaching um, in the next stage of my career almost, it's just a, a great opportunity to be around uh, and see what goes on. I remember playing back in my time, but it's things dramatically changed in, in that time. Um, so it's really good, you know, that buzz that you get from the start of the series uh, and the buzz that you get from the start of an Ashes series is, is unique. Um, and it was brilliant to watch him. Really, really fascinating to watch him. Trying, trying to almost think back to how it was when I, when I was playing and uh, what it was like. But um, a great experience for a couple of days. Uh, you know, I'd, last week I was lucky enough to go down with the Lions as well uh, against Australia A. And again, that was another fantastic opportunity um, just to see and, and experience and be around people who, who know what they're doing. So is that um, is that your preferred sort of choice of uh, career after playing? I know you've done lots of work in the media, things like that. Would coaches be your number one choice? I think so. Um, I kind of got the, this plan in my mind really where it might just be a little bit of everything to start with. A bit of media, a bit of coaching, uh, until you sort of get a plan about really what direction I'm going to go and try and work out you know, what, uh, what the best thing like for me is going to be. But uh, I think coaching, being in there day in, day out and being working with the guys, working with people that are you know, trying to improve and get better all the time. I quite enjoy that. I quite enjoy that sort of side of it. The, you know, even though you spend like, today, you're, like, you're throwing the nets with, you know, with the sling or the top stick, wherever they are. You know, you're in there for you know, two and a half hours, three hours sometimes, and it's just like constant, but it's, that's quite enjoyable at the same time, because you're working with some great players, uh, and you can see them improving, which is great to see. Or certainly the England opening batsmen, they've struggled to fill that position. Someone who's done it with great success over the years. Where, where do you think? So, is it is it the system, the county system that's letting them down? They, what do you think it is? Why can't we fill that opening position? I, I don't know. It's the it's the uh, million dollar question at the moment, isn't it? Trying to find uh, a top three in, in what what is going to happen. I think. Um, I think Joe's going to bat three tomorrow. Has he come out and said that yet? I think that's. I think he will. Yeah. Yeah. 
good answer. So thanks. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know the... In the county game, the opening batting is bloody hard work. And you could, it's not just a case with, you know, one of the counties that potentially with uh, trying to find uh, opening batsmen because it, it's not an easy... I reckon it's got harder in the last sort of three, five years, really. Whether it's the change of ball or the, the pitches have really been changed. Um, a group of opening batsmen who are, are ready to come through. Challenge is Absolutely. Now, even bold. What did you think when Mr. McGrath turned his ankle on that road? <laughs> I think quietly sat there thinking, all right, this is really going to help us if he's gone down and, and to play. Not going to be a strong one anyway. So everything was falling into place gradually over the course of that, that week. And the flat one. There are rumours that a certain uh, chubby spin bowler wasn't particularly happy with that. Did you pick up on that? Um, it was... I'll tell you what, it, the, the weather conditions were very similar to what they've had the last couple of days here. There was a, there was a big storm that came yesterday, uh, and they've done so well to get the, the ground in the condition. But, um, I, I know that sort of started the process, wasn't it? A little bit of a grumble with certain things. If it's not what he likes to do, then it will generally, you know, he'll go against it. But uh, he, is a, he is a tip. So. All out, you planting shame warm back over his head. Um, was that a comment? Really get at them, or did it just kind of fall into place and be in the natural rhythm of your batting? No, that, that was my beans going pretty much. I think if anyone plays a game, uh, you, you get that feeling where you get a little man on your shoulder and he just says, You're right, time to slog it. And you know, it just happens at the wrong moment sometimes. Uh, and that, it, it lucky I got away with it and it came out in the middle of the bat and went straight down the ground. But as he there you go, uh, and it just happened. So um, you, you get those unconscious moments at times, and they're really hard to control. But you just, you've got to run with them sometimes and let it happen. Fantastic. So that final morning, then you, you get to the ground, two wickets to win. Did you ever expect it to get so tight? No, absolutely not. We just thought, well, how is this going to get so close? This is going to be done in half an hour, forty minutes, uh, and we'll be sat back drinking beer by the, you know, by lunchtime, but uh, not in the, nowhere near in the fashion of what it turned out. And actually, you know, the, the history of the game is, is fascinating, but I can go, I remember going through the emotions, you know, 70 to win, 60 to win, 50 to win, we've still got it in the bag, it's loads of runs, you know, Kastovic can't really hold that, let alone four runs. And it gradually got closer and closer and closer, and it wasn't until we got to about 10 or 12 that it was like, oh, sure. <laughs> This is going to go horribly wrong. And how can we come back from this? How can we come back from two 0 down? I don't think you can in a national series against Australia. It was never going to happen, but um, we got lucky, I guess. So you, you were vice captain in that game, obviously for the whole series. Were you kind of chirping to Michael Ford, or was Michael Ford going to us what we do, or was it just kind no, of no, Peter Red Downing? No, yeah, yeah, it's not my job. It's the captain's fault, isn't it? So uh, it's sort of a good time to sort of leave him in the lurch, really, and get on with it, but. I think he had it under control, pretty much. You sort of give passing advice, and uh, you know he'll take it or leave it, and, and run, you know, make a decision what the, you know, what he's going to do next. But you can only offer so much at that sort of time. It's clear what we have to do. You know, we try and set a certain field. Uh, when Simon Jones dropped that one at third man, it was like, oh wow, you know, that was maybe our opportunity to, to get the win. But, 
but pressure moments like that, you, you don't want to be you know, adding too much fuel to the fire. You've got to try and absorb it at the same time, so it's not easy. Of course, um, um, I remember reading that you said you sort of felt nauseous, so you couldn't cut the barrels after the game. How long did that, did that last? Did you going to after, sink in what had happened? After about two or three beers, it was okay. I think you know, it sort of calmed down after. But uh, that, that immediate effect when you sit there and realise what's happened, it, the roller coaster of emotion was incredible. And you, you can't plan for that, you can't prepare yourself for that, how it's going to feel, because Ashes series are different and they are unique. Uh, and the situation is where the game was going. We got hammered in the first test. We're so close to winning, and suddenly we aren't. We have one. Um, it's really hard to experience and put yourself. I, I've never experienced it in that same way since. Um, but it's uh, it's pretty tough to deal with. Dominate the game then at Old uh, Old Trafford. Draw that game. Great hundred from Ricky Ponting. Um, next one at Trent Bridge, and that nervy 120 run chase. That was. Must have been another nail bite to pull you more. I don't think that. I think, um, yes, it was nervy, and I think we were always going to be really positive about going against it, but I think we always felt confident it was going to happen. It just didn't happen quite as we as we wanted it to be. Um, and low totals can always be a little bit tricky. You're never, you're never quite sure. You lose a couple of wickets and the pressure gets on. The bowling team run in faster because they've got nothing to lose, and they know they've only got 20 overs to bowl. So, you know, you're hiding to nothing. So you've got to be positive, try and get the runs down quickly. And just hopefully you don't lose too many wickets, but I think we were confident enough and, and careful enough to, to get it done. So that then puts you 2 1 up in the series. A bit of a rain affected draw at the Oval, but I think what everybody remembers about that one is Kevin Peterson's 150 odd after being dropped by, I think it stands for Tremendous International Tweaker, Shane Warner at first slip. Um, how did, how did Kevin Peterson kind of settle into that side? So obviously it was, it was his debut series. He's coming for Graham Thorpe, who's you know, a quality player for a number of years. How did he sort of strike you as, as a player and a guy? Very different, as you can imagine. Uh, yeah, to come into that environment where with blue hair or you know, streaks in his hair, I think, you know, what the hell have we got? You know? so, but he, well, I think we all realise he's an amazing player. An amazing player because it, you know, he could do things that the rest of us couldn't do. And, I think you saw a glimpse of it in that, uh, that final test match when he banged 150. Uh, and it, it was just that type of character. He, he sort of made the most of everything uh, and every time that he had to really sort of show off. And when, when the chips were down, he was at his best. And, and he could really then sort of open the stage and really go about what he needed to do. But he's very different, very different. And the, the, the documentary, I think, is coming out during the Ashes, I think, about I think it's, KB uh, Genius, or genius whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. So it'll be really interesting to watch and, and see what type uh, or see what sort of uh, things he comes up with because I think it's quite frank and, and quite open at times. Fantastic! Like, so he's a chalky cheese character, isn't he? Mm. You, know, you are the love and we hate him. Yeah. So, when you the draw at Old Trafford, you win the Ashes for the first time in 20 odd years. It would have been nice after you've won the game, but how did that feel? Ah, uh, yeah, fantastic. You know. So we got told that the game was off just before they the umpires walked out and, and lifted the bales. The captains and we'd celebrate, we'd sort of shake hands with most of the players at that time. Uh, so we were a little bit ahead of the game and sort of enjoying the moment before the doors were open and people could really take it all in. But uh, to think that we'd, we'd worked so hard to get to that point and suddenly it, it happened, it sort of then you start dawning on you that uh, we've done something pretty special. You know, and then you get a, a lap of the ground and celebrations after that was unique and something you wish you could experience more often. 
talking about the celebrations, they've almost gone down in, in folklore as much as the actual cricket itself, and Freddie stumbling out of the hotel into the bus. Um, how did you find them? That, that, again, must have just been a roller coaster, Trafalgar Square and everything that, that went on after that. It was, it was amazing, absolutely amazing. To go on the bus and, and to drive through the city and see people hanging out of, of uh, offices and being on the rooftops, I don't think we could ever imagine what we'd actually created until you see that and, and see everybody sort of uh, the delight on everyone's face and I think we'd seen it previously when uh, the, the rugby lads won the World Cup didn't they and they came back and they opened the top bus um, but they, they didn't do it this time for the World Cup so I don't know what, what the reason was behind that I think it's probably the schedule I don't think physically probably not enough time I would have thought right straight to the but it was, it was fascinating you know to experience that you, you don't you don't get those opportunities very often um, so it was amazing, absolutely amazing. I wish I was in a better state to, to really take it all in because it was boiling hot, we were suited and booted and you know, you're steaming, so it's like it's not very good. It's not a great state to, to really be in. And a trip to Downing Street as well, of course, with the place to, to meet uh, Tony Blair. Tony Downing Blair, Street, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, that was great. Absolutely brilliant to walk in, walk through the door, walk through the corridors, go out into the garden at the back. Um, yeah, there's a few stories, and I know most people have heard them all, but uh, a brilliant the experience of it, because you don't really expect that you're going to get to do those sort of things while you're playing cricket, so uh, really nice. And of course, that was the last time until a couple of weeks ago, cricket was on Trust TV, and it came back with a bit of a bang, didn't it? How, what are your thoughts on that incredible game a couple of weeks ago? I don't think we could have written it any better, because it, it just... It was almost in the stars that we were going to win the World Cup, wasn't it? And I think um, how it panned out to get to a, a tied game at the end and then go to a super over. Just could it be any better? Could it have been any better? And then they're talking about viewing figures of like eight to ten million people watching, which is going back to the time when, when it was on Channel Four. That's going to be a good thing for the game in the long term. Um, someone's thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the storm girl. Surprise! Surprise! <laughs> Put your money on luck for on Tuesday, I think it's there. <laughs> I'm going to take the next. Fantastic. You, you were coaching the Lions at yeah. that time, yeah. Yeah, so we were down in Catsby and we watched the last sort of hour of the game and after the end of the, our game had finished. So. Cricket does shoot itself in a football having a full schedule of championship games and Lions on one of the final games. Yeah, it does. Then. I don't know. Then you had Wimbledon on, you had Silverstone on, everything. Fantastic. So, looking back to, to Taunton then, obviously retiring at the end of the season after the 27 years, um, what are the highlights of such an incredible career? Well, there's too many. You can't really sort of pinpoint two or three things. Uh, so many great uh, times that you had with, with good people in the changing room, uh, great victories, great competitions. The time with England was brilliant. It, it's been a great time. I've loved it, absolutely loved it. And I never thought I'd get to a point where I was happy to think about what's going to come next and, and where I was going to go. But it's come to a natural end, and I'm, I was actually quite glad when it was the case that I was almost like left out and, and be able to tell people what the plan was and. Um, make the announcement of retirement because it was just I'm done I'm happy I'm happy I'm content with with what I've done and at my time in the game uh, happy to move on and let someone else have a crack at it and talking about those who will be coming through then um, obviously you've got lads like Tom Banton fantastic talent um, 
where do you see this, this Somerset side going? Is the sky the limit with them? Yeah, I think they're a very good team. Our challenge is going to be potentially trying to keep them together. You know, we've talked about the Overton boys um, being around for a certain period of time together. Lewis Gregory, obviously Jack Leach, both been in the England squad last week for the Ireland test. Uh, you know, Tom Banton, there's a lot of good players in the squad and the team is in good order already, having one trophy in the cabinet already. We're still pushing for the other two. Um, you know, we've, we've got something special. It's trying to harness it now, keep everyone together and keep driving that forward is a real, going to be a real test of us to try and continue to keep winning, you know, after making a success for the first time in a, in a long time for us, really. Fantastic, lots of they are playing absolutely fantastic cricket, certainly um, in the last couple of games, but over, you, you're allowed a blip to, to win a title. It's interesting, so I've watched the last couple of T20 games, and it, I don't think we're playing badly. I, I think we're just trying to work out what is going on, the style of play. You go back to when Chris Gale was at, at Somerset, I know he's obviously a legend down in this part, obviously, the testimonial game that we had. Who was that, Pete Trigo's testimonial, I think? Uh, and Chris was just outstanding, wasn't he? And how he did things, but... You have to work out a different way of playing with Chris Gale because he had his own unique way and you have to try and fit around it with what was happening. And it's very similar now. So when we've got a change of plan, you've got a top order batsman rather than a middle order batsman. And it's going to be very consistent like Babozan. And I think we've just got to work out the tempo of everyone around it. Try and, try and get the right people in the right place um, and think about, you know, we might need to push the button a little bit harder from the top um, because we've just... You know, you've not quite got the tempo right in our batting at the moment. Fantastic. So, if we just go back to sort of the work we've been doing with the England team, moving the camp, I guess, is good and confident? Yeah, I think so. Like, from what you see, it's, uh, I think it looks very much very much as you expect it to, going into the start of the Nationals. Uh, my concern would be is how emotionally drained are they from the World Cup? That, that's going to be the, the test for them. And I, I know some of them had a week off last week. Uh, some have not been playing in the, in the white ball stuff. Um, I think that's going to be a challenge for them. Can they emotionally stay and keep fighting for the five weeks or the five games that they're going to play and be up for Ashes cricket? Because it's, as I said before, it's very different about what it is. So that will be our biggest test, I think, rather than playing against Australia. How, how do you see the series going? I think it'll be close, very close. And I don't think there'll be many draws. Because you know the, the change going back to last year's ball, but the seams are bigger and they swing more. Um, and I think England will prepare pitches that will do a little bit because that suits our bowlers uh, compared to their team. Um, I, I want to say England win, but I'm just not sure by how many really. So, but, but it's going to be tight. It's sure. five nil, isn't it? That's well, another <laughs> five nil, wouldn't we? But, um, I don't think it'll be five nil, no. Um. Coaching then, obviously, and we've talked about England's top order woes, but haven't we found a, an opening batsman in Jack Leach? <laughs> Get him in. Get him in there. Yeah. I'm not sure he survived more than a couple of games, maybe. You know, he was brilliant last week, wasn't it? So we were, we were playing a game and he, was, uh, he just kept scoring runs and we were getting the updates while we were out there fielding. But um, if you'd have seen him in previous times, because about the last... Ten games he's played, he's averaged four, I think. So I don't know. I don't know where the hell '92 has come from or '93, because it was a million miles away when I last saw him back. So um, yeah, good, good on him. Fantastic. Um, that's great. Just go back to your career with Somerset. It kind of all kicked off for you with an innings against Glamorgan. This is sort of for England. Mm. Duncan Fletcher saw against Glamorgan at Taunton. Um, 
were you kind of aware that he was there? Was that, did you kind of think that was it wasn't a deliberate plan, I can assure you that. It was just another game where you go out playing and uh, you're trying to score runs to, to win the game, but it just coincided at a, a lucky moment, I guess. You get lucky breaks in your career, don't you? And, uh, you know, the rest is history from there because he sort of then picked me on sort of the, the England A squad in the winter um, and I came back and then started playing for England in the next summer. So, uh, you know, you have those moments and you look back on them and uh, you're very grateful for them because it, uh, it, it, it turns everything around completely. Away from obviously the 2005 Ashes, then what other moments do you sort of look back on with England with sort of a, a good bit of fondness? Uh, we have many series where you win, especially when you win away from home. So we won in uh, Karachi. You see the famous Test match, don't you? In the dark, you know that. You know to win over there for the first time in a long, long time, and we we, we were aware of the history of winning over in that part of the world. It was very low, and in that winter we we won in. Pakistan, and then we went to Sri Lanka after Christmas and won over there, which is again unheard of uh, when you got the likes of Muralitha in, in the team. Uh, so, you know, you, you think back on some great series and some of the great celebrations you had when no one was around. You know, you're in the middle of um, parts of the world where no one knows where you are or what you're doing, uh, and you're really enjoying celebrations with uh, some good mates and stuff. So, But great series. We played in some, you know, some great competitions along the way. We should have won. It's a 2004 uh, ICC Trophy, we should have won that at the Oval, and we messed that up. Yeah, it was just a nightmare, but you know, we, we had some good times. So. Fantastic. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to throw over to the floor now. If you've got any questions you'd like uh, from Marcus, just put your hand up and we'll uh, wander over the microphone for you. One of our lads here, Caden. At the moment, Somerset got a lot of uh, interesting, exciting young talents like Tom Batten, for example. How do you feel about the team going forward? Like, it's pretty confident. Yeah, I think they're a good side, a very good team. And I think uh, in the next few years, it'll be good, good times at the club. We've got a good coaching set up and we've got a good uh, academy coming through. So you're always producing good players. Uh, as, as many homegrown players as we get, as we can. Uh, and our class, any lad coming from Devon is from Somerset, basically. So that's good enough for me, man. Fantastic. Anyone, anyone else? Pop your hand up. Dave Knowles. Dave Knowles. Uh, James Hilgrim uh, has never had a gig for England. Um, considering that Joe Stenley is batting at four, batting in Division 2, 33 years old. How did he get? I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to judge, isn't it? You know, if you look at Hildy's stats in comparison to pretty much anyone else played in, in the test side, um, they would be greater from the county record. But I don't know whether it's just timing when you look back to you know, what team they've had in, in previous years. Uh, when Hildy was at his best, like, you know, it's arguably at his best at the moment in the last couple of seasons. But last season in particular was brilliant. Um, I can't tell you why. I don't know. I'd love to be able to give you an answer, but um, it, it baffles a lot of people, doesn't it? It does indeed. Got one from Ray, one of our members. Who was the fastest bowler against you then? Who was the quickest? That's, that's the most common question with any Q&A, by the way. <laughs> Uh, there were two bowlers. Uh, 
I always thought were the fastest were Bretley and Showbacter. Bretley in uh, in Australia, there was one time in we played at Perth and he bowled the lightning quick. That was the only time I've been sort of genuinely sort of scared, thinking that I'm going to get hit here at any point. Uh, and then Showy was unique in his own way because he just bowled quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was quite hard to pick up at times, so it was good. Uh, one from uh, Ryan, one of our players. Evening. Um, what inspired the kneeling pose? The what? The kneeling pose in spectators. Oh, right, okay. Uh, so playing on, um, on spinning pitches, as we have done in the last few years at Taunton, um, we've worked out, you know, Generally, the first, couple of, the first couple of days, or the first innings of a game, the ball would spin and sort of bounce. And as the pitch got older and dried out a little bit more, it would spin but then go low. So if they nicked it, the, the, the spin or the catches were always right, right in front of us. And being in sort of 42, 43, I couldn't really get down that far. So I thought, well, the best chance of me doing that is just by sitting on the floor and I might have a crack at catching a couple. And we got a couple of catches and we sort of practiced it behind the scenes and thought, actually this has got this has got legs. Sorry for the pun. <laughs> um, and, and it sort of came to a natural conclusion that we just thought we wanted to try it. Uh, and it was Lewis Gregory's idea. So it wasn't my my idea, but we sort of played around with it in practice and then worked it into a game. We got a couple of catches and it's been it's been we fooled everyone around the world because they're all doing it. You know? Even in test matches you see I think Joe Root was doing it in Sri Lanka, wasn't he? So, yeah, we've we've got everyone fooled. Uh, we've got one from Emma, who's the best tea lady in the city? I'm not quite, but it's been your stand-up tea. What's the tea again? What was our? Stand-up tea. Um, I think uh, club cricket teas are very different to professional cricket teas, I would suggest. Um, it's very... Uh, performance related in, in, uh, in professional environments where cricket teas in, in club cricket are just getting as much food in as possible, isn't it, really? Yeah, um, but they're, they're different, but yeah, lunches are probably the better way of putting it, but Lords would be the best lunches. Yeah. Everything. Whatever you want, it's like going to a real proper restaurant, so it's lovely, yeah. Lunch at Lords. Sorry, do you want to just grab the mic for a second? So my light-hearted question, thoroughly enjoyed tonight, really nice meal, and I think I speak for everybody, but my son is called Marcus, and he likes sausages. Is that really true, Marcus, that you like pork or beef sausages? No, there's no truth in any of that. <laughs> Don't believe it. Um, so a few, year, a few years ago, you, you may well know them, I actually got a sponsor from a sausage company around here. Uh, Westaway sausages. Yeah. So, yeah, I always pop in and see him now and again and just sort of open my car boot and fill it up. And, uh, <laughs> um, One over here in the corner. Yeah, hi Marcus. Um, who's the best, or I suppose therefore the worst, sledger you've ever come across? Is David Warner a complete knob as well? <laughs> Well, 
I can't say too much because this gentleman here is running a Facebook Live or something. So I've got to be a little bit careful. Um, I've never played against David Warner, but from what I'm told, you are correct. Um, the worst one for me was Shane Warne. Uh, I've probably already expressed my feelings about Shane, so uh, I won't say any more. But uh, any of the Australians during their time were in your face and just on your case, you know, it's just like annoying. So when you finally beat them and shove it up on it's uh, quite a nice feeling. Right? What's the worst thing you found in your coffin at the start of the next season? I, I couldn't possibly say. There's, all I'll say is that there's something knocking around in our chamber room currently which has been become a bit of a lucky mascot and I can't tell you what it is because it's extremely rude. Um, but little things like that, they sort of occur and sort of live with you and stay in the team. Um, but they have to remain private because it would just cause uproar in the media. All sorts. Yeah, you wouldn't want to know. One of the worst ones I've heard about was some of the Yorkshire lads who were like, they love a practical joke, would put like a, a fish, a dead fish in between the pads and then let neighbour go and put it in his bag and leave it for the week and then open it up and it would be like, oh my god. <laughs> so that's the sort of thing they get up to. Okay, we've got any more? Put the hand up. Any more? Does anybody? Oh yes, sorry. So, you're asked to go strictly, what would you say? <laughs> well, I'd say no again at this stage, so. Um, I, I was asked a couple of times when I first finished playing, but um, I don't move. I think if anyone's seen the video of me falling over a couple of times when I was playing the other week, that's what I'd be like dancing as well, I expect, so I'd be useless. Thank you. Any more? Any more? In the corner. pretty hard to narrow down because you get some good guys who have done the job. I think uh, Michael Vaughan, we had very good times when he was captain, so he would probably be the most successful captain that I've played amongst. Um, then you get other good guys, Justin Langer when he was when he was over here uh, for Somerset. I don't think you can pinpoint it down to one because they, they all have different things and bring uh, different approaches to what goes on. Anybody else? Question, but uh, I, 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 we're so sick of winning the championship this year. In, in last season, we can finally win the championship. I, I love that. I love that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I probably agree with that. Okay. Any more? Anybody else? Yes. Uh, hello, Marcus. All the times you've been playing for England in your county, who was the biggest prankster? Um, was it Phil Tuffers? No, I only played one game of Tuffers uh, against Australia. Um, probably one of the worst is Pete Trigo. He's just full of shit, isn't he? So, <laughs> you just never know what Trigo's going to do. You really don't. You could turn up one day on a practice day in a, in a Tuffers, and then the next day, when you're meant to be number one, you turn up in his shorts. It's just. He's very unique. I think everyone's seen him down here. I think you've got your own sort of Pete Trigo in one of the teams down here, I think. Or... <laughs> Please don't try and emulate him. Really don't. Don't go down that road. Really don't. 
Thank you, great question. Any more? Anybody for one more question? I've just got one to finish off actually. Um, just mentioned the animosity you have with a certain Mr. Bourne. How does it kind of come together when you're sort of playing together in a commentary box or a, or a studio next to these, these guys that you've uh, been needling with on and off the pitch for the last few decades? No problems at all, no problems. I think uh, everyone has their laugh and their jokes and, and you take the mick out of them when you're in this environment and stuff. But then you've got to work with them and realise actually he really is a tit. Um, so it, it kind of works okay, it's fine. You get used to it. Brilliant, thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, I think we'll all agree it's been a fantastic evening. Marcus, thank you very much for, for checking down, not checking down, speeding down from, from Edgbaston to, to be here tonight. Um, I think we give Marcus a fantastic round of applause. We also have to thank our event sponsors tonight, um, Wallen Solicitors. Uh, I know Chris Hart, who's the chief exec, can't be here tonight. He's um, he's a bit under the weather. Doctor's always have said to stay at home. But uh, Clive Meredith uh, is here from Wallen, along the Wallen table representing them. Obviously, they're shirt sponsors of South Devon, shirt sponsors of the Western Storm. So thank you very much to to Clive and Chris and everybody at Wallen. And this is our chairman, Mr. Brian Whitaker. Before, before we uh, finish this evening, I would just like to thank Ian for all he's done this evening. He's arranged everything virtually by himself. And uh, Chris has helped him, uh, but he's done a grand job. And uh, I'd just like to say thanks very much. And also thank you for Ali and staff here tonight. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. Um, yeah, it's been a great pleasure organising this. Uh, we've done, obviously, testimonial games for uh, for Marcus and Pete and, and James. Obviously, none this year, so uh, tonight is, is the fruit of our efforts. But I do love it, and it's great raising money for, for the club, and obviously for great charity in children's hospice. Hint, hint, still got those bats to sell. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for coming. And uh, if we do another one of these again, hopefully we'll uh, we'll see you there. Yeah.